Hello, and welcome to the God in the Wild series on the Idlewild podcast channel. God in the Wild explores the faith journeys of members of our community at Idlewild Presbyterian Church and how they see God at work in their lives. I am Elizabeth Doolin, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, my name is Virginia Boyd, and I am here with Mary Lou McCaw. I am a new member of Idlewild, and I met Mary Lou at a first Sunday lunch in February, which I believe was the last, one of the last ones we had prior to everyone being home for Sundays um, and for every other day of the week. I loved that Mary Lou sat down at the visitor's table and shared authentically and honestly um, about the discussion we were having. It is about 11 o'clock on Monday, July the 13th, and I am at my house. Mary Lou, where are you? Hi, Virginia. Uh, I'm in my home also. Um, I think we live in different parts of Memphis, so uh, it's wonderful that we have, have this way to connect. Yep, we're on Zoom, and we are both just trying to figure out this record part, but I think we got it. Um, well, I'm looking forward to learning more about you and sharing with this, um, your story with the church. First, would you please tell us about your experiences with faith growing up? All right. Um, I was fortunate, uh, not unusual, but fortunate uh, to grow up in a very uh, church-oriented family, not just my parents, but all of my family on both sides. The church was a center of whatever the family life was. My ancestors on both sides of my family are Presbyterians all the way back to uh, Scotland. And so the Presbyterian aspect of the church has always been important uh, in our lives too. Uh, but anytime the church doors were open, my family was there. And that gave me a very strong foundation in uh, church life um, and also a a good beginning of understanding of faith life. But to give an example of how uh, important uh, the church was in my family, when I became an elder, I was living in Salt Lake City. Um, my parents lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. And my father flew to Salt Lake for 24 hours just to place his hands on my head uh, when I was ordained. And that, needless to say, meant the world to me. But it's also a good illustration that my family raised me in an atmosphere that uh, church wasn't just um, an activity that you had to put into your week, but that it 
that it had meaning, that there was meaning behind um, all of the uh, various aspects of church life. So uh, because of that, I was active in the youth programs, including uh, at the synod level. Uh, in those days, they had youth councils at every church had a local youth council, a presbytery, and a synod youth uh, council. And I'll tell you this just so you can appreciate where we are today. <clears throat> when I was um, when I was a junior, I was asked to be on the uh, synod youth council and uh, served in the, as the secretary. And the following year, um, the adult leader, a liaison that worked with us, came to me and said, uh, Mary Lou, um, I want you to know that you, you are capable and really should be the moderator <clears throat> for next year, but we think we better choose a boy instead. <laughs> <laughs> and because of the day and age I was raised in, I just accepted that. I was disappointed, but I accepted it, never challenged it, and went on to serve as vice moderator of the, of the council. So that's the age that I, that I come from. And then um, my life has continued to have church life um, as a center post. Um, however, I also discovered as a young adult that church and faith were not the same thing. And that was kind of a big uh, new idea for me that just doing church things <laughs> was not the same as having a relationship to God. And I, I believe I did have a relationship to God, but it would, could have been put into a thimble. And so my faith aspect began to develop as a, as a young adult. And um, I have opened myself to trying to go deeper in faith uh, from that point on. Were there specific experiences or people that you think caused you to see those as two different things versus I'm just going to church because this is what my family is doing? Yes, there were things that happened that would be kind of faith milestones uh, for me. Uh, the first was when I was in high school, uh, we had a new senior pastor come. I grew up in a church very, very similar to Idlewild in architecture and in membership and design. And it was the first time I was ever presented with um, not uh, looking at scripture literally, and that there were that there were some other there was. Uh, there were other ways to um, to listen to and examine scripture, and that may sound pretty 
like what was the big deal about that but coming out of the 50s the a child of the 50s um i can tell you that that was a big uh thing not just for me as a young person it was a big thing for our the church as a whole to uh, be presented with a new with new ways to look at at scripture um, that was coinciding with the the beginning of the civil rights movement and as i said i was growing up in louisiana and so memphis is the mid-south louisiana is the deep south and that was at first uh very jarring and what's going on and i didn't understand it at all the civil rights movement that is but as that progressed and i was in college it was like someone parted a curtain and for the first time i saw the way of life that i had grown up in uh, for what it was and was just devastated and ashamed mm. of what i saw and that was a that was a turning point uh for me but um very it was a slow process i'll put it that way of trying to learn uh how uh blind uh i had been um and i'll give you an example my husband and i uh, just as an aside my husband and i grew up in the same church um and he was in medical school when we married and um we were living in uh, the student housing for LSU Medical School in New Orleans. And I was just consumed with the thought that I needed to cross the street. And what I mean by that is this building was in an old, all black neighborhood. The kind of neighborhood at that time, which would have been the 60s, when the vegetable cart pulled by the pony still came down the street with the vegetable man calling out what he had fresh that day and the people coming out of their homes and um, shotgun houses and buying what they needed. It was I say that it makes me sound like I'm talking about 1865 or something. But anyway, um, I just felt this compulsion that I needed to cross this little narrow New Orleans street and meet the people on the other side because it was, we were in a tall 12 story concrete bunker type apartment building and everything around us was this um, black neighborhood that had probably been there uh, for a couple of centuries. So I'll try to hurry on here to the, to the revelation part or to show how un, unexposed I was. I finally got up the nerve to cross the street 
and I had been to, I was a teacher, I had been to the library, I had found a book with the most beautiful illustrations, and I thought, I'm going to go read this book to the children that are out playing in the street and whatever. So the very fact I crossed the street had people looking at me. And I went up to a group of children and said, would you, hi, would you like to hear a story? And they're looking at me with eyes the size of saucers and kind of nod <laughs> gingerly. And so we sat down on the stoop, as you know, in New Orleans, the stairs, the steps to the house come right to the sidewalk. And we sat down, I could feel people behind the screen door looking at me over my shoulder and, and I became just super conscious of my whiteness. And but the children are sitting there around me. I pick up the book, I open it, and the words just stick in my throat. I had chosen Snow White in oh. the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> and this was Snow White with her ruby red lips and her snow white skin. And I, I mean, I won't continue except to say that's how how far I had to go <laughs> um, where I was coming from. The, the next big thing for me was because of my husband's training, we moved to Salt Lake City kind of as a, uh, well, let's go check it out kind of thing. We might as well. And uh, ended up staying there and making that our home. And what happened for me there were two things. One, for the first time in my life, I was a minority. Mormons made up about 65% of the population. There were only 4,000 Presbyterians in the whole state. And for the first time, I was encountering people who quite sincerely were wanting to not challenge my faith, but tell me that my faith was misplaced and that they had come to tell me the truth. Very, very broadening experience. And what uh, helped me with that was I took some classes on Mormonism, but I was able to say to the kind people who would come to the door that my family was active in our own church, that we were Presbyterians. And because I could say that, uh, eventually they took our, our name off the list and just accepted us as we, as we were. In addition to that, though, a next-door neighbor invited me to a Bible study. And because of what I told you about my budding understanding of racism and the civil rights movement, I was at a stage in my life where I didn't, reading the Bible was way down on the list. 
I didn't want to read the Bible. I already knew all the stories. And I just thought it was time we were out doing something. It was time to have be active. But I didn't want to hurt my neighbor's feelings by refusing because she was a Presbyterian too, which you cannot imagine the odds of me, of two Presbyterians living next door to each other in Utah. It's just a God-given yep. moment. Anyway, we, she took me, and this was a very structured and disciplined Bible study uh, led by a woman who was uh, much more uh, conservative in her thinking than I was. But we spent nine months studying the book of Genesis. And as I began to read that for the first time for myself, it wasn't I hadn't read or had parts of it read to me by the pastors on Sunday morning or the Sunday school teachers, but to begin at the beginning and read it for myself and have to answer questions about what I thought and so forth became um, just like opening a treasure chest for me. And it didn't matter that I didn't agree with the woman in charge uh, because I was gaining so much from the scripture myself. And, um, and that changed my faith. That changed my faith. And so that was the second thing. And the third thing was, so I, I learned that my God was too small. The, the third thing was um, I learned that God's love is without boundaries. And that occurred when uh, my son was in high school and we began to uh, suspect that he was gay. And that was a part of my Christian faith that I had never dealt with before, never had to just, and then certainly in my growing up, that wasn't even ever, ever going to be discussed. Um, the long and the short of it is that the Lord mercifully gave me two years, his junior and senior year, where we didn't say anything to him. We just acted perfectly, like everything was, nothing had changed because we were dealing with it and, and trying to accept it. And the summer that he was about to leave for college, we knew that we couldn't let him go without letting him know that we knew. And so um, when we had that conversation, he was totally shocked. He didn't know that we had discerned that. And, um, and we said to him, you're our son. We love you. This is a part of who you are. You know this is, we're not going to lie. You know this is hard for us, but we're we're not going to let anything come between us 
And so at that point, I began a new learning curve wow. of the, the wideness of God's mercy. And I'll share with you what became the, the changing point for me, because it ties back into being introduced to the scriptures um, in a deeper way. I was doing a devotional one morning. Uh, this was uh, after, long after my son had gone to college. And the scripture was in Acts where uh, Peter has a vision. And it's a vision of the, it, the vision is, he's been, well, let me say this, he's been told to go visit the, a Gentile, and he is reluctant to do that. And this vision come, is of a sheet coming down, and in the sheet are the animals, which for 2,000 plus years, he and his believers have been told, do not eat these animals. So it wasn't like they made it up. It's in scripture multiple times. Do not eat this, this, uh, these animals. And the sheep comes down and he's looking at it and God says, eat. And like a good Jewish believer, he said, no, Lord, I, I won't, I won't eat it. And whereas in some places, that might have been like a test of, uh, are you going to still do the right thing? Instead, it was this moment where God turned the world around and he said, uh, don't call unclean what I call clean. That was like the biggest light bulb going off for me, that I didn't have to worry about what the Old Testament said about homosexuality or even what Paul said for that matter, that God is, was saying, this is a change or this is, I don't know how to theologically express it, but it was turning the world around in a new direction. And from that point on, I could see not only my son, but other people and other variations of the human being in a much wider uh, light. Such um, a powerful story for your son and for, for your faith. Um, goodness, I'm so encouraged to hear that. I didn't, uh, the next question is about what drew you to Idlewild? Didn't wanted to make sure that there's nothing else about your faith evolving. I feel like that you've covered some really powerful stages over time. So what first drew you to Idlewild and what keeps you at Idlewild? Well, um, I came to Idlewild um, because of my family. My husband passed away unexpectedly um, and I stayed in Utah for five years, kind of waiting to see what, <laughs> where my life was going to go. I had a lot of, I had deep roots there. We had been there 40 years. I had very deep roots there. 
but uh, but it, I thought, why am I out here when my grandchildren are in Memphis um, and I could be enjoying being part of their life? So I came to Memphis and my daughter and her family and my son-in-law and his family all went to Idlewild. And so, um, so I, I just wanted to be with them. So I went there too. What's kept me there is that Idlewild um, challenges my faith. That's, that includes times when I'm not always happy with uh, what I see or here, there, but it challenges my faith. It accepts me for who I am and offers me places to offer my, what I can do. I've done a good bit of teaching and I've had what I called a kitchen table Bible study at my home and I'm a deacon. Uh, I'm on the backpack team. Um, it just gives me a variety of opportunities to uh, to serve. So um, that's what <laughs> I found a place there. I think that's the best way to say it is that I found a place there where I can grow and serve. And we're both lifelong Presbyterians, so yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Both of our stories. Okay, how has the pandemic impacted your life? Well, it's been a shock because I've never encountered anything quite like this. Though I will tell you that I had, I did have one experience that is not the same, but has some similarities. My mother had polio in 1951, which were the years of the polio epidemic. Mm -hmm. And no one knew where it was coming from, how you got it. Um, there was a lot of fear. And um, you didn't go to places. You, you still went to church. But for some reason, you didn't go to things like movie theaters or places where there were big crowd swimming pools. They closed all the swimming pools. And, and so I do remember that. And when my mother was diagnosed, uh, my brother and I were in quarantine for three weeks. So, so I do have that small bit of experience. But what it also has done, though, the pandemic this time, uh, it's made me really realize how much being with people in the same room is essential for mental health and just the pleasure of living. Um, Zoom is wonderful, and I've taken advantage of that, but it does not, it just isn't sufficient. And, but I've also been learning to live with solitude and a good friend of mine years ago um, talked to me about the difference between loneliness and solitude. And I think that I have progressed enough in my life that I see this as solitude rather than as loneliness. But 
I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I liked my life before when I, when it had lots of interaction with people. What would you say is the difference between loneliness and solitude? Um, contentment. When you're lonely or feel alone, there's, um, well, I think everybody has experienced that at some point. So I'm, I don't know if I have to come up with all the right words, but, but you, you're looking for how can I change this? How can I change this? How can I, you know, get out and be with people or do things? There's, uh, there's more of a driving sense of I've got to, I've got to break this, this cycle I'm in or just a feeling of melancholy or depression or life isn't worth, <laughs> you know, it's hard to be cheerful. Solitude is still missing people and still wishing you could be with them. But if you can't, then you can't. And you look for ways to um, feed your soul in other other ways. I'll tell you, I have the most weedless yard in Memphis because I go out into my yard, even in the heat, I go out a couple of times a day and kind of just wander around and check on things. And if I see a weed, I pull it up and I've run out of weeds. So uh, anyway, that's my explanation. That is a good I guess a wanted effect of all of this. I wish I had started that. Now I have so many weeds, I don't want to even think about it. Uh, <laughs> how has your understanding of an experience of church evolved during the pandemic? Well, certainly we are proving that what we've been told since we were children, which the church is not a building, the church is the people. Yeah. Um, and I think we we're learning that uh, lesson better than we wish we had to. But the other thing too is that I have to say the 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 place is also important too. I think that I'm not alone in missing going to the church. And of course when you're there you're with other people, other believers. But there's a sense of uh, belonging and comfort, I think, in having the church to building to go to. And so I'm learning a new appreciation uh, for that. And I do appreciate um, that in this dramatically different uh, set of circumstances, that we have leaders, clergy and lay leaders, who are not going, who didn't look at this as well, I guess we'll just shut down till this is over, uh, but instead have looked for creative ways to keep the church uh, connected, the people connected. Absolutely. Uh, where do you see Christ at work in your life at this time? Um, 
I, there's, there are several ways, but the place that is, I think I feel it the strongest is um, I'm part of the organization MICA that our church belongs to. And I've never been in a community organizing circumstance before. And I chose to do this exactly for that reason that I had never done it before. And I thought, I'm just going to check this out. And what I, f I see um, is that God is at work through people <laughs> and that we can make a change or make a difference in the community that we live in by going through the governmental structure. And that has just been, um, there have just been times when we have appointments with the top leaders in the city and the county, and we go in and you can just, I, I, I can sense the, the spirit of God at work uh, because things take a turn that we would not have expected that is encouraging or favorable or, and then we see the results of that. Um, as the government begins to meet. So, so MICA right now is, in making myself available to just do something I've never done before, I see Christ at work. I'm using you. That's wonderful. Yeah. All right, this last question's off the cuff, it feels like. Uh, <laughs> If you were stuck on a deserted island, what three things would you want with you? <laughs> and I think this is the hardest question. I think everyone's <laughs> to me. You know, um, I realize this isn't the thing, but I would give up two out of the three things if one if that one thing could be another person. That would be my first choice. Would would be just give me another person to be to be with me. But if that, if that doesn't fit the parameters, I thought about this and I thought photographs came to my mind first that I would want to have photographs of people. And uh, even, I just would want all my photo albums. I'll put it that way. And, and that also, I know, dates me because I didn't say I wanted my phone to look at. I want the actual hold-in-my-hand pictures. Um, I would want a Bible because I believe that the Bible is, a live, is the living word and it, is, it just would meet my needs whatever they were. And then the last thing I thought of was a solar radio um, <laughs> that, so I could hear the sound of someone else's voice. Um, that was one of the first things I noticed after my husband died was that I needed the sound of the human voice in my house. So I bought a radio and Every morning I'm listening to NPR and it just, it just fills a, a, a need for me, a space. Yeah, connections are important. And all of your answers, that's 
Um, that's obvious. Well, I am so glad that you agreed to do this. I have learned a lot about you and I have many follow-up questions that I want to discuss, but thank you for agreeing to share with us um, your answers. As we talked about, this is truly going to be a treasure for the church in years to come. Well, thank you, Virginia. I appreciate you thinking of me. I'm still kind of trying to take in that you remembered me from our first meeting at the visitor's table and that you would honor me by asking to to talk to me more. So I'm looking forward to hearing, I'm going to ask these same questions to you uh, when, when we're not being recorded. <laughs> that sounds good. Thank you, Mary Lou. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God in the Wild. If you'd like to be involved, whether through leading an interview or nominating someone whose story you would like to hear, please contact me, Elizabeth Doolin, at edoolin at idlewildchurch.org. May God be with you out in the wild.